Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and uh, it's good to have you with us this morning. Uh, you know, it's a lot of stuff that goes on behind those partitions while everybody's singing. I'm scrambling for stuff, so um, I had to write some, scribble some stuff down on my notes. Um, if this is your first time here, we're so glad that you uh, made some time to be here. Hope you're blessed by uh, meeting with God's family here at Greater Alton. We're looking at this Me to We series on relationships. Moving from a me life to a we life. You know, God didn't make us to be alone. He didn't, didn't like us to be alone. He made us to be social. He created you and I to, to connect. Uh, we're like pieces of a puzzle. And we're supposed to connect. Remember Rocky? She has gaps and I have gaps, you know, and we fit together. That's the, yes, yo, Adrian. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're made to do. Um, you didn't know Rocky was a Bible scholar, did you? But he, well, he is, yes. We're formed for that. Look at this proverb I found. I love this. A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. Would you agree with that? It does. There's something about this, the, the, a sweet friendship, a good friendship, the best friendships. Man, they just notice that they refresh the soul. They don't stroke me and say everything's okay when it's not. No, they refresh me down deep inside. They help me down deep inside. And God wants you and I to have good, strong friendships. Now, we've been talking about relationships the last several weeks that all of our relationships start with a relationship with God. If you've got to have that first before you can learn how to have any other relationships, the very first relationship that ever was on this planet was between God and Adam, not Adam and Eve. And that relationship with Adam and Eve went sideways, not because Eve is a woman and she showed up. And I was saying a joke the other day. I said, you know, the first to-do list in the Bible was, was formed by a woman. And in the first to-do list, the first thing it said was, here, eat this. That was the first thing that, oh, that's bad, I know, I'm sorry. That was mean, Ernie, I know. But I'm not here all day, that's good. Okay, so... But the thing that the idea, though, this idea that w- things went sideways, not when their relationship went haywire, it was when their relationship with God went sideways. Then it affected their relationship, their marriage, their family. We talked about families last week on Mother's Day. Had a great time. We went to to Fifty uh, Fourth Street uh, with Nathan and Nicole and the two grandkids, and we had us a great time eating there and enjoying Mother's Day later with the other son, Matt and Brian, and the other three. It was a, a full day, but I remember. Uh, uh, the, one of the highlights of my day was looking at families together here at, at Greater Alton. And we looked at how important they are and that, uh, that God wants us to have good, strong relationships in our family. Friendships are powerful, too. That's what I want to talk about today, friendships. You know, there's some things families help us through, but there's some things that friends do. I think somewhere in the Bible says that, you know, family's good to have, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's times when a friend has helped me through some things. Where do you find friends like this? These good friendships, these sweet friendships. I believe you find them in the kingdom of God. I don't think you find them in our world. I think you find them in the church. Now I say that uh, a little tongue in cheek because a lot of people don't find them in the church. They find a lot of judging, a lot of condemning going on. They can't find that. It's not very sweet. It's pretty sour, to be honest, in some churches. Well, Greater Alton, we want us to be a sweet place. We want it to be a place filled with sweet relationships, good relationships, because that's what God wants. That's what God wants. And if you've got another plan in mind, you might want to change that, because God wants His church to be a, a, a family filled with good, wholesome, godly, redemptive Friendships. What do you mean redemptive friendships? Well, if you look up here, I think I've got it up on the screen what a redemptive friendship is. Let me say it like this. A redemptive friendship is having friends that point me to Jesus. They're always pointing me to Jesus. Do you have friends like that? They may be pointing to some work to do. You know, you have friends at work and they'd do anything for you, but do they point you to Jesus? Because the greatest relationships, the greatest friendships you can have are those kind of friendships. They're encouraging you to become like Christ. They're encouraging you to live out the purpose God has had for your life. They're encouraging you and they're helping you. And sometimes, uh, not just a pat on the back, but a kick in the pants to urge you to do what's right, what God wants. And see, redemptive friendships, 
friendships like this don't just happen. They don't just automatically happen. I've had lots of friends in my life. We were friends instantly. But redemptive friendships take work. They take time. They take effort. They take something from me in this friendship. Now, I've got to think, and we probably ought, before we know how to build them, why? Why should I build? Why should I be interested in building redemptive friendships? Well, let me give you four reasons. Number one, it's in redemptive friendships that God makes me stronger. He uses friendships, He uses these redemptive relationships to make you and I stronger. Here's a, here's a classic passage here at Greater Alton we've used several times. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. See, sometimes we face things that are just too much for us to handle alone. We're weak. We're, We're not as strong as we need to be. And good friendships, see, help me bear the load. They make me emotionally strong. God wants you to be emotionally strong. And he, and by the way, He wants your faith strong. And these kinds of friendships build our faith. They help us become stronger in our faith in God. A second reason that you ought to be interested, and we should be interested in promoting and building these redemptive friendships is, in redemptive friendships, God helps me grow. God uses friendships to help us grow in our faith, not just stronger, but grow up and mature. Look at Romans 1.12. Paul refers to this kind of relationship in the church. In the church, he says, both of us need help. I can, I can make your faith strong and you can do the same for me. And look, it says, we need each other. Would, would you underline that? We need each other. Because we're talking about, he's saying, look, there's a me life, but then there's a we life. And the we life that we have, this relationship together, God uses to help me grow. See, redemptive friendships nudge me. They, we nudge each other. The, the, those kind of friends nudge me. I can have lots of friends that don't have any spiritual bearing whatsoever. I learn a lot about baseball. I learn a lot about the news and politics from those friends and a lot about enjoying things and food and extracurricular activities. But it's only in the redemptive relationship that I get just a little bit more, see? And that more is big. Because in that relationship, I get nudged. I get called to stretch. I get challenged. These kind of people are frank with us. They're frank with us. They're honest with us. They cheer me on. And it's not their agenda they're really trying to fulfill. They want to make and be a part of helping you and I become what God made us to be. And so God uses these relationships to help us grow. And a third reason is redemptive friendships make it easier to reach God's goal in my life. I know you got goals and I got goals. You know, but God has some goals for your life. And you cannot reach them without help. Um, you might say, well, I've reached a few goals in my own. You sure? I bet you had to have some help. I did this all by myself. Are you sure? And if you did, if you reached a goal all by yourself, it probably wasn't a very big one. You know what I'm saying? It was doable. <laughs> See, God God has big goals in your life. And it takes help. And that's why the church is here. That's why He brings us together. Look at the Bible says here, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. And so what we God puts us in these redemptive friendships. He wants us to build these redemptive friendships so I can succeed. Number four... In redemptive friendships, God provides balance in my life. What do you mean by that, Tim? Well, look at this proverb with me. Fools always think their own way is best, but wise people listen to what others tell them. Let's read that again. (laughs) Fools always think their own way is best, but wise people listen to what others tell them. What's he saying? By yourself, you're going to be unbalanced. You're going to have an unbalanced life. By yourself, you're going to lose your balance. And when you lose your balance, what happens? You fall. I fall into all kinds of stuff. I didn't intend that to happen. You know, a guy on a tightrope's not planning to fall off the rope. 
But by yourself, we tend to, to live in the extremes. We tend, we don't, why? Because we don't have anyone really to bounce stuff off of that have another perspective. And we, we need those. What's it say? There's a passage in Proverbs 18 that says something like this. A guy, what he said, what a guy says seems to be right until someone comes and asks him a question. When you look at all the translations, two of them say until a friend comes and asks a question. Isn't that interesting? Neighbor, friend, or someone. I don't want you to know, friends, these are great friends to have. Because you can be spouting off about something you don't know what you're talking about. And I'll go, hey, listen, man, somebody needs to give you a reality check, buddy. <laughs> you, you don't got that right. Or you need to think about this, too. Because we get lopsided. We get imbalanced. We don't see everything as clearly as we think we do. So I need somebody else's perspective, you see. I need somebody else's help in this. Okay? And so godly friendships provide this balance. That's how God works to give me some balance there. So how do I build these redemptive friendships in my life? I want to say to you again, I I want to impress upon you, don't be interested in just having friends, but have friends that help you find Christ, that help you mature and grow. Uh, Yesterday we had a, a, a workshop on small groups and they're on our website now for those of you who missed it you can listen to them I think I have a little handout a little sheet there a little evaluation you can take a little test you can test yourself it's not on there yet I just lied that's that happens often okay circle liar no okay okay so I get Uh, but it'll be on the website Thank you, Tom. You know, I've ever told you you're stupendous, colossal, tremendous, fantastic. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I, I just want you to know, you know, last week, or, or I mean uh, yesterday, we were talking about this. This, what does it mean to have a, to be a part of a small group? And what is our strategy? And I said something in my lesson. We desperately need your help. God needs your help. Church, we, the church, this congregation needs everybody to to want to see relationships deeper than just acquaintance or superficial. We really want it to be drive it deeper. And that's, that's in your hands, in my hands. How do I build redemptive friendships? How do you know this? It's in your hands and my hands. Well, to build, a, to, to build redemptive friendships in my life, I just simply need to be the friend I'd like to have. Just think about that. All I've got to do is just be the friend... I'd like to have. Jesus talks about this. Look what he says here in Matthew 7. Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. You want some, you want a good friendship? You want a good friend? Be that friend. Be that friend. I can do that. You can do that. And if we make a commitment this morning, so, you know, I'm really going to work on building deeper and better relationships in this church. Folks, we won't have enough chairs. We will have to tell them that we're too full. We'll have to do something else. So how do I do this? How do I build this, this kind of friendship, uh, these kind of friendships in my life? By being the friend I'd like to have. So all of these statements, all these steps are really what I need to do, what you need to do, okay? Here's the first one. I invest my time. I know a lot of times when we hear a thing on friendships, a lesson on friendships, or read a book on friendships, we're looking at, yeah, that's what I wish so-and-so would do, or this person would do. Why don't they call me? Why don't they invest in me? When really it starts with you investing your time into relationships, I've learned something over the years. Nothing significant gets built without investing lots of time. Nothing good really gets developed unless I invest lots of my time. Uh, this is a passage up on the screen we looked at yesterday in our workshop. First Thessalonians 2 1 says, You know, brothers, that our time with you was not wasted. I want you to look at that passage real close. The Apostle Paul's talking to a church in Thessalonica, and he says, You know 
He didn't say, I know. You know something, brothers and sisters. There's, there's the family, close relationships right there in the church. That our time with you, he's not saying your time with me. Did you catch that? He's not saying your time with me was not wasted. We like to say, oh, you're not going to waste any time with me. Oh, listen, I want you to know, we don't want to waste our time. And Paul says, you know, we didn't waste our time with you. And he goes on to say, because we were like a mom who loved their children and cared for. We're like a father who loved his children and encouraged them. Yesterday I went, I was all over the place. After, right after the workshop, I got in my truck and went home because I had a little window to mow. I had to get my mowing done. You gotta get that mowing done, you know. So I, I get the mowing done only to run to a, to a, a, a gymnastics of my grandchildren, watching them do somersaults and, and walking on a balance beam and all that. And then we went to a birthday, Emma's birthday party. And then we went to a diaper party where a bunch of guys are sitting around eating ribs and they're bringing diapers and wondering why they're there. But that's what they did. <laughs> and I'm running around and I'm, I, but I noticed something at a couple of the, of the, of the gatherings. Not so much with the guys. I noticed it with the moms are busy. It's like the more kids they got, the more you go, do you need some help? And they look at you like, you have to ask? (laughs) It's like herding cats. I'm watching my, watching Brian with three of them and they're running all over the place. And I've got one of them. I've got Maybrie and she just, "Eh, eh, eh." you can't go down the slide. "Eh, eh, eh." Okay, go down the (laughs) slide. I messed up. You want to go on the slide no more? Uh, uh, okay. Slide will hurt you. Stay away from the slide. <laughs> but no, it's just, but I'm watching these moms all working with their kids and, you know, they don't have got time to talk to me. I'm at your party. Don't you want to talk to me? Sorry, but I got other children. I haven't got time for you. I got time. I got to, I, I, they, they're investing all this time. All this time. All this attention. And I watch dads do the same. Some dads do the same thing. Paul says, hey, you know, you know, you have experienced that we didn't waste our time with you. I just want to ask you, do do, uh, our friendships know that? That we're investing that much time. And we don't see it as a waste but as an investment, as an expression of love. Because the greatest expression of love you give people is your attention, folks. Look at the Bible says here. Love each other in a way that makes you feel close like brothers and sisters. I don't know any way to do that except spend lots of time with people. If, they, if we want to feel close and tight... I'm going to have to spend some time. Now, I know you might say, well, Tim, it's just crazy. It's hard. And one of the things we talked about yesterday in small groups is how do you do it? So, it's a challenge to develop you know, deeper friendships when we just don't have any time. Well, why not? Well, I'm just too busy. You know what? You're too busy. You're going to have to cut something out. Or it's never going to happen. You think the early church had... More time than you? They didn't have oven. They didn't have like electricity. They didn't have all these fancy schmancy things that we got that cut our time out. What is it our tendency is when we get a little free time, we try to fill it up with something that we want to do. When God gives us all these gadgets to use to free us up so we can really get involved in each other's lives. I hope you'll listen to those lessons online when when Tom gets them up that super fantastic guy when he gets that done so because I think you're going to find some some very encouraging thoughts there going to challenge you look at Hebrews 3 here be careful brothers and sisters that none of you ever develop a wicked unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God encourage each other once a month while you have the opportunity Oh, it doesn't say that, did it? Oh, I'm sorry. Encourage each other once a week when you get in a small group. So, well, you have the opportunity. No, it says every day. How do I do that every, every day? Every day. 
You want a redemptive friendship? It takes work, focus, and lots and lots of time. You know, there's 58 passages, over 58 passages, that talk about how we are to treat one another, and it's not talking about how you treat each other in your DNA family, but in God's family. 58, over 58 passages, serve one another, love one another, greet one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I know some of you ladies are going, not a chance. Okay? Some of you guys are going, I'm ready. <laughs> no, no. Okay, but all these different, we're greedy, we're to greet each other, serve each other, love each other, help each other, bear one another's burdens with each other. Why are all, why is there so much, there's more, listen, there are more references of how we're to love each other, like in God's family, than there is references in loving each other in our DNA family. Why? I bet you because it was a challenge back then too. Because you're spending all day trying to hunt something down so you can eat it that night. Your time margin's not quite as, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of tight. How do I do this every day? Well, I know one thing. It matters. That's all I know. What I do with what I do, what I give every day to, matters the most to me. And if you want a redemptive friendship, to be the redemptive friend you need to be, it starts with you investing time in those relationships. Stop waiting for others to be your friend, folks. Be that person. When you're waiting for somebody else to be your friend, that is a me life. That is a very selfish life. A we life says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to make the move. I'm going to make the investments. It takes lots of time. Sometimes a simple investment is just showing up. Just making that commitment to show up at group, to show up at a party, to show up at a doorstep. It starts with investing time. Number two, uh, to be the friend I'd like to have, I've got to earn trust. If I'm going to build the kind of relationship that points that we point each other to Jesus, that we're really helping each other grow in Christ, it's going to be built with lots of trust. And there's a book out called Safe People. I read it one time. Realized how unsafe I am. And it talks about toxic people, but that, that some people you can't trust. And I realized just how I breached this I, I, I mess up here. Um, and, for, and I'm, not, I'm simply saying to you is, is that, that I'm, I'm, I'm learning that I need to be a trustworthy person to build a good friendship. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 20, verse 6. You might call many people your friends, but it's hard to find someone who can really be trusted. See, we all can say I have friends, but maybe they're just acquaintances. Because acquaintances, see, I talk to, but real friends I trust. How many friends do you really have? You could say you trust them. The Bible says your people want a friend they can trust. Is that true? Do you want a friend you can trust? If you want a friend you can trust, be the friend. Be the friend that can be trusted. How do I do that? How do I earn the trust of others? Well, number one, it's a pretty no-brainer here, be reliable. You want to build trust? Show up when you say you're going to show up. Follow through with what you promised to do. Anyone, it says here, who can be trusted with little matters can also be trusted in important matters. Let me ask you, can you be counted on? If you're a part of a small group, are you bringing the ice or the hot dogs? What's the difference? Big difference. If you're bringing the ice, I got news for you. They're not sure you're even coming. Because anybody can get ice. We always got the backup with the refrigerator, you see. We can make a quick trip to the, to the, the gas station. But the hot dog person, they, they, they must believe you're coming because we gotta have those hot dogs. Which one is it? By and large, are you known as the ice guy or the hot dog guy? I know that just sounds weird, but that's uh, which one are you known for? And see, I'm learning something. Friends are my friends are constantly testing my relationship with them, and they're doing it with you too. 
They're saying, can you be trusted in small things? I'm going to share something safe. Real safe. Something that's, you know, nothing real personal, but it's close. What will you do with that information? Just think about that for a minute. What will I do with that information? Can I be reliable? Another thing is, not just being reliable, I can earn trust in others by being loyal. My closest friends in this church have been relentlessly loyal to me. What do you mean, Tim? They love me warts and all. They support me warts and all. That when somebody wants to find a friendship as, when everybody else runs out, your real friend stays at your side. Ecclesiastes talks about they stand back to back in a fight. Look what it says here in Proverbs. A true friend is always loyal. See, a real friend is not hot one minute, cold the other. He has your back. He loves you no matter what. The message translation or paraphrase says it this way. A true friend is loyal in all kinds of weather. In other words, he cancels his plans when a crisis to be at your side. She'll stay up all night with you and talk with you on the phone when you're going through a temptation to relapse. They answer the phone at one in the morning, even though your name is on the ID. They will answer it. They don't run out. Listen to this. This is something that's very challenging to me personally because, you know, in churches, we're just so touchy. We just wear our feelings on our sleeves so much, folks. And I, when I, what are you talking about? That we love each other even when we're not doing spiritually well. We don't run out on our friend even when they run out on God. Look at this passage in Job. It's haunting to me. Talk about beating me up and just challenging me because I, well, you don't want to be a part of us and I don't want to be a part of you. I know I'm the only person in this church that struggles with this. So, so you just listen to me, talk to me. Tim, look what that Bible says there. Job said this. Job was going through the ringer, Tim. And look what, look what, look what it says there. Friends should be loyal to you in times of trouble, even if you turn away from God all powerful. That's in the Bible? Yes, it is, Tim. I don't like that in the Bible. I don't even want to know where it is. And if I had a good pen, I'd mark it right out and have to read it. Why, why is it on my notes? Because I've got a problem. When people break, they, they disappoint me, they hurt me, or they, they, they keep doing the same old thing. I, well, don't, you just don't let them walk all over you. No, but you don't give up on them. You don't give up on them. You're loyal to them even when they're just not doing all that hot. See, I'm learning this idea. This word redemption means to save people. Well, if if I'm to save people, if if Jesus came to save me, that implies I'm needing saved. I'm in trouble. I'm messed up. And if I have, if I'm going to have a redemptive friendship with somebody, then I've got to be willing when they mess up to stay with them close enough to snatch them out of the fire, like the Bible says. And bring them back. Sometimes, sometimes, guys, the loyalty of a friendship is what brings people back. Where's the Bible for that? Prodigal son, look it up. The father is loyal to his son. And he says, well, I'm, my father, I'll go back to my father. We didn't break everything off there. And what's the father do? Runs to him. Well, that's the picture of God. Yeah, and where's the older brother? Where he should, where should the older brother be? Right behind his father. Sometimes it's the love of a brother, the love of a good friend that's with me through thick and thin, that helps me get back up and come back to God. That's what being uh, gaining trust. It's being loyal. Another one is by respecting privacy. Here we go. 
I hate these points because I violate this one a lot. I would be a terrible spy. Tim, we want to know information. Okay. Well, let me start telling you. Wait a minute. Don't you want to know what we're going to do to you if you don't tell us? No. I'll just tell you. Some say call it the gift of gab. I call it the the curse. The curse. Look at the Bible says here. Gossips can't keep secrets. Hello. Gossips can't keep secrets, but a trustworthy person can. You know why I know how important that verse is? Because every time I violate it, I see the incredible damage it causes in my friendships. That's how you know something's really true and really important. When you disobey it, it just wreaks havoc. See, there's some... Listen to this. And, I, and this is something I'm still learning, and I hope you, you know, hope you are too. There's just some things people can't address in their life. They can't even get... Or their mind around, they can't even get any help, but they can't even begin to overcome it without talking about it. They gotta have a safe place to just talk about it. They've gotta have a friend that'll say, Your secret's safe with me. You say, Well, what if they murdered somebody? You know, you hear anybody say this? Look, I want to tell you something, but you've got to promise me never to tell anyone. You know what I've said to people? I can't make that promise. Why? Because I don't know what you're talking about. I have plans to bomb your house. Well, I'm going to have to get some help on this one. I want to phone a friend. <laughs> Please, I got somebody crazy here. But, but, but most of the time, that's not what it is, is it? No, it's something you... I just, I just got to be able to talk about it. Can you just give me some space here just to talk about it? A safe, some safe space just to say it. Now... I know you might say, Tim, so are you a safe person with secrets? I do have some secrets I've taken to my grave. I've had some people tell me that I'll never tell anyone. I don't, I'm trying to figure out why I've kept those promises. I don't know. I, the Bible says love keeps no records of wrongs. Forgetting also does that. I just forget. But I am here to tell you that you want to earn trust in people, there's got to be a safe place to talk about it. I had a sister in our congregation want to talk to, to Denise and I and she sat down with us and she's been reading and she goes, I gotta get some stuff off my chest. But you gotta listen without judging me. Oh I'll try. You know it's uh, when we hear stuff, don't we want to judge? You know, and I'm going, okay and so I go, okay, I'm ready and I'm the inside I'm going, I'm going to listen and I'm not going to judge and she's blah 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 and then this happened and then that happened and then they did this and then they did that and I was hurt by that and I'm angry about this and I'm going uh huh and I'm going you're going to have to probably repeat all this because I, I'm so I'm trying not to judge that I'm not listening it's so natural huh it's so natural for us and by the way she was asking for some kind of judgment she just wanted to be heard first and I go okay and I listened to that and I go and I, my response was I'm so sorry that happened. That was a judgment I made. I'm so sorry it happened. You know what she said? I'm just glad to get finally out of here. <sighs> it just feels so good to, to get it out. You know, sometimes, folks, we just need to shut up and listen because then they can hear themselves. And then God's able to do some work. Isn't that cool? So the pressure's off. Oh, I gotta come up with some snappy verse or something. No, not all the time. Sometimes you just need to be quiet and listen and respect the privacy. Be able to say your secret is safe with me. By the way, that secret is still safe. Number three, it kind of goes with this last one here. I, I kind of blended them together a little bit. I listen with empathy. You want to build a 
redemptive friendship. Be the kind of friend that listens with empathy because that's what you want when you're talking to people. You want to listen with some understanding, with some mercy. Our dear brothers and sisters, always be more willing to listen than to speak. Keep control of your anger. I've talked to people occasionally and, and they're talking to me and, and I know don't try to figure out if it's you or not. Just, just listen, okay? And I listen and I'm going, and they sound like the Charlie Brown teacher. Wah, 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 wah. You know, and I'm listening to them and I'm, and inside I'm getting all getting, I'm getting worked up and I'm thinking, why am I getting worked up? I just do. I'm just one of those kind of, I get worked up, okay? But I have this conversation in my head going, stay calm. They haven't said anything crazy. It's taking them longer to talk and get it out. But don't you do the same thing? And I have these little conversations as I'm, I'm going, and I'm having this fight inside that's just dealing with this. This passage to be quick to listen, to try to listen and not so quick to lecture. I'm just not good at this. You good at it? The better I get, and the better you get, the better our relationships are. They're just better because of that. Mike uh, Kiffmeyer and I were talking during this workshop, and he pulled me aside and he said, you know, I've noticed a couple of things, and he wanted to bring them out to me that he's been learning. I really appreciated it. In Acts 2 it says they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And in, in 1 Thessalonians 10 it says there, you shared there, it says we were delighted to not only share the good news, but our lives as well. And I looked at that, that that idea of they were enjoying each other, enjoying the favor of the people, enjoying the relationship. I just he goes, I just would love, I just want to enjoy being with God's family. Oh, that just sounds good, doesn't it? I me too, me too. And and I I couldn't help but to think about that was go, that goes through my mind now. When I'm listening to folks, just enjoy them. Your grandkids say the dumbest stuff. They say inappropriate things. Some you just can't make out. I don't know what means, but I think it, it's not good. But you know, and it does. It, it's and they scream and it gets on my nerve. But you know, I'm, but, but you know, I still enjoy them, and I, I think we need to enjoy each other. And then, and it requires just listening. And like I said before, they're able to hear themselves more clearly if we'll just sit back and listen. Here's a passage that was shown to me when I was 20 years old, and I'm still not there with it. God's got such a sense of humor. He shows you a passage early in life, I think, to set you up going, Tim, it's going to take a lifetime to get this one down. You know what I'm saying? And look at it says, Rex showed this to me. I was 20 years old, and I threw a fit over something. He says, hey, brother, the Lord's servant must not be argumentative. What? That's what it says. Hold on. Pushes his glasses up. But a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps his cool, working, look at this, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and turning them to the the truth. And what I noticed was something this morning. God's the one that sobers people up. God's the one that does the changing. All I got to do is just listen with empathy. All I have to do is not be so quick to lecture but quick to listen, to be a gentle listener, to keep my cool, and let God... You know, all it is, guys, we get into arguments. We get into ar- arguments with other Christians, and we're, we're going to put them in their place, and it's not even our job. It's God's job. And, and I don't know, you might win an argument, but you don't win the war, you don't win the person. I, I know this. I've been married long enough to know that's true. You can win an argument, but not win the person. You don't get, you really don't get anywhere. And it's God that does this kind of work in people when I do the part that He wants me to play in. Number four, I accept flaws. I accept flaws. Nobody's perfect. Anybody perfect? No. The Bible says there's no one even good. Huh? Nobody's even good. That's what the Bible teaches us. 
So we're, we're flawed people getting to know other flaw, flaws in people. And look what the Bible says here. Love overlooks the mistakes of others. What's that mean? He doesn't make a big deal out of them. But dwelling on the failures of others devastates friendships. You want to know if you're the kind of person who overlooks or dwells on the flaws of others? How you talk about them privately reveals a lot. I reveal, even this last night, I'm talking to someone and I'm complaining about something and I realized that I'm violating this very passage. I'm not overlooking flaws like I expect God to, to look over my flaws. No, he says, he says, you've got to overlook them, Tim. And I noticed that dwelling on their failures is ruining the relationship of the person I'm complaining about. And listen, and it's also ruining the relationship of the one I'm complaining with. Look what the Bible says here. Honor God by accepting each other as Christ accepted you. I'm not perfect and God accepts me. And He's asking me to accept others. You know, sooner or later, somebody's going to do something that's going to just twist you. Sooner or later, somebody's going to do something the wrong way. They're going to do something. You're not going to like it. If you want to develop a redemptive friendship with someone, you're going to put up with their flaws and remember how God responds to your flaws. You should respond to theirs. Oh, Ephesians 2. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We need to give some people latitude, is what he's saying. My best friends give me latitude. And if I want to be the friend that I I need and I want, the kind of friend that God needs me to be, I have to give others some latitude. Number five, I celebrate, celebrate the wins and share the losses. This is a big one. You want to build a redemptive relationship? Be the person that shares the, the wins. Don't get jealous of somebody getting a promotion. Don't be jealous of somebody getting a new car. Don't be jealous of somebody getting married or having children. Praise God for that. Be excited for them. Truly, down deep in your heart. Don't let it be a veneer. Let it be really in your heart. The Bible says, celebrate with those who are celebrating. Mourn with those who mourn. These are, these are great opportunities to get close when we celebrate birthdays. Here I am at, I'm at Emma's birthday party and we're, and it's windy and the wind, a storm was coming and the wind was blowing so hard and we're going to blow out the candle. <laughs> and we're like, we don't know if we can light the candle. And Emma walks over to our table and goes, we're going to have cupcakes. Oh really? I can't wait to have some cupcakes. What is a cut cake? You know, I mean, and so she goes, how many cut cakes do we have, Emma? Two. I said, that's wonderful. And she, and we had bunches of them, but it was just so fun getting together and celebrating her birthday. And we're singing happy birthday. And there's Emma going, just in eating it up, eating it up. Or I go to gymnastics and there's a, and I'm watching Ashley and Aubrey that they come to share a moment with Carmody and Meyer and Gia. And you know, Gia, Gia, she does her tumble. You know, you know, they're a little bitty. They just put them on this slanted piece of foam so they can roll. And she rolls and comes up and goes, Take a picture. That's what she's doing. Posing. I loved it. And I'm thinking, what are you doing here, Ashley? She's here to celebrate, to share. That was so cool. That means a lot to me because she's doing that with my grandkids. So I got to go to Emma's party because Emma means a lot to me too. And I get to talk. I get to find out Caitlin and I have something in common. We don't like water parks. I like that kind of stuff. You see, I'm, I'm, just, say, I'm just saying to you is that, is that we share all this life together. Just like a family. And we share sorrow. Moments of sorrow. We, we bear together. 1986, my father dies unexpectedly. He is dead for three days in a hot trailer before they find him. He doesn't look well. I go to the, it's three hours away. The funeral is in Albion. 
And I remember going, uh, and I'm doing the funeral, and as I'm there, I look in the crowd, and Etzel Seltzer, and most of you don't even know who I'm talking about. But see, it means something to me. Etzel Seltzer happens to be the same age as my father. He's died now, of course. He's dead now. But he's 57 as well. And he doesn't say a word to me. I just walk up to him and hug him, and he holds me as long as I want to be held. That's what I remember at my funeral, or at my dad's funeral. I remember that moment. He just held me. Didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. That's priceless. And that's what friends, real friends do. We celebrate the wins and we share the losses. Job's friends did something right. They did a lot of things wrong, but one of the things they did right was when they showed up and saw what Job was going through, it says they sat and said nothing for seven days. What do you say at a funeral? You don't say anything. Just show up and shut up. It's a marvelous, powerful thing. And number six... If I want to build this redemptive relationship, this kind of relationship that points me to Jesus, always points me back to God, I do it by bringing out the best in others. I try, I, I, my, I'm not trying to put somebody in their place. I'm trying to lift them up to a, a better place. I'm trying to bring out the best in them. You see, uh, redemptive friendships promote authenticity. Look at the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: Just as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen the minds of each other. One translation says they improve each other. Proverbs 27, 5 says, A truly good friend will openly correct you. You see, when I'm really after redemptive relationship, I want that kind of friend, then I'm going to be the kind of friend that's real, that's up front, that's frank, that's kind, that's honest. And if I do any correcting, it's with the spirit of acceptance. We're on the same side. We're in the same family. And that seems to bring out the best. Let me ask you what brings out the best in you. Somebody jumping you all the time? Getting in your face? That bring out the best in you? It doesn't in me. It doesn't motivate me. It makes me push back. And parents, you're jumping your kids about stuff you think they... Oh, I, you just convinced me for the, the thousandth time you said, pick that up. Finally stuck, Dad. Thanks. Or, why won't you do like this? Oh, that finally got to me. I got it. No, it doesn't work that way. Does that work that way in your marriage? Why can't you blah, 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 blah? Oh, you, you know, honey... It took 40 years, but you finally got it done. I'm now motivated to pick up my underwear. Really? That's what it does? That's what does it? i got to go through 40 years of this before I get the best out of somebody? Well, I'll tell you, there's a shortcut to that. And it's not getting in their face, but getting in their heart. By loving people and patiently encouraging people. And yeah, being honest, but don't enjoy being right about something. But you, it's a chore, it's a burden that you're trying to, to talk to someone you want them to change about or look at something in their life. Now I'm going to close. I want to say this to you. The kind of friends you have now are built by the kind of friend you are now. Just ask yourself if that's a true statement. Because I think it is. The kind of friendships you have now have a lot to do with the kind of friend you are now. If you want to take friendships deeper, you want to develop closer, better, more productive friendships in, in the kingdom of God. In church, we desperately need Greater Alton to be this place. This place filled with relationships that we truly love each other and it's so obvious and it's not about judging and just condemning the fire out of each other, but that we really care about one another.
And if there's any correcting, it's the Bible says we speak the truth out of love. To get there, it starts with you. It starts with me. So this morning, what are you doing to develop redemptive relationships in the body of Christ? What do you need to do to be the kind of friend that points your friends to Jesus? There's a card in your bulletin, and maybe there's something you'd like to pray about. Maybe a friendship. A friendship. Maybe there's a Maybe there's something in this. You go, I, I really need help with this particular challenge today. Um, I hope that uh, you'll take advantage of that. You'll take advantage of that. Um, maybe there's a personal need that doesn't relate to this lesson whatsoever. Why not take the step and write out a little bit about it and let people pray uh, through that card for you uh, every day this week? We're going to give you a chance to uh, fill out those cards. We're going to sing a song after I pray here. And you can fill out those cards. And then after that song, we're going to sing another song. Collect all those cards up along with our contribution. And if you're a guest here, we want you to know you're under no obligation to give this morning. Um, we're, not, we're not trying to get anything out of you. We want to give you something this morning. Let's pray and we'll be through. Father, thank you for friendships. Father, we, I know all of us here can think about some of the friendships we've had over the years. And some of them, Father, how good they've been, how they've helped us, and Father, how they've at times redeemed us, brought us back out of a pit, out of depression, out of discouragement, out of sin, out of a bad habit, out of addiction. Father, two are better than one, and Father, because of that friendship, we are better now. Father, would you help us be that kind of friend to develop these kind of friendships Father, we know that requires moving from a me life to a we life. We can't be so selfish. We know we can't be so self-absorbed. We can't be thinking about whatever the people are going to do to us and what kind of friend they're going to be to us, but what kind of friend are we going to be to them. Help us move from this me life to a we life and build redemptive friendships here at Greater Alton. Father, we pray that you'll help us figure out ways and creative ways to change our schedule so we can invest time in these relationships. Father, help us earn the trust of our friends so they can talk about things in a safe place so they can really address and really get somewhere with it. Help us listen, Father. Listen more, lecture less. To to be understanding. To listen, not for an opening, Father, but for understanding. Help us put ourselves in their shoes because, Father... You put yourself in ours. Father, we pray you help us accept the flaws. and just, that we're, we're not perfect. We're, we're different. Not perfect, but different. Help us understand that. Help us celebrate wins and share losses. Help us be involved in the whole spectrum of each other's lives here. And Father, help us ultimately bring out the best. Bring out the character of your son, Jesus. Father, I don't know if everybody here has a friend like that. But I pray, Father, we all can find and develop a friend like that because we know you use them to make us better, to make us stronger. And we pray for that, Father. Help us be that kind of friend. In Christ's name, amen.